So we've been working through the book of Acts for several several months, honestly. I think we did about 14 weeks uh, in the book of Acts and wrapped up uh, on Easter in the middle of chapter 13. And uh, after Easter, Chris and I were talking, and, and we both just kind of felt like this was, we'd planned on to keep preaching through the book of Acts, uh, and we both just felt like this is kind of a good place to hit pause and, and do something different. And so we've shifted to a different series here, and we're going to go through a passage of Scripture, and we're going to do things like we tend to do here, a little backward. Um, we're going to go through Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11, if you're not familiar with it, it's known as the Hall of Fame of Faith, or the Faith Hall of Fame. And so when you get to Hebrews chapter 11, the book of Hebrews is all about the superiority of Christ of Jesus over everything else, everybody else, every past religion, every other God, every other prophet, every other everything, and about the superiority of faith over works. That's what the book of Hebrews is about. Nobody really agrees on who wrote it. Uh, a lot of people think Paul did. I'm just going to, I think Paul did. Don't take that to heart. There's a lot of people smarter than me that say we don't know who wrote it. Um, so, uh, but that's the author, and it's written to Hebrews, which is Jewish people who had accepted Christ, and this was just the, an encouragement to them: keep on it, keep on it. You've you've got it right. You're on the right track. Jesus is the right one. Put your faith in Him. Trust in Him. And so, Hebrews chapter eleven, Paul is speaking to these Jews who who worshipped in many ways uh, the people of the Old Testament: Moses, Abraham. Joseph, I mean, you go through these names one after another, and, and they just thought they were incredible people. And, and what the writer of Hebrews does is he takes it back to them and says, like, even all those people in the Old Testament that you thought were awesome, it was because of their faith. And so over and over, you see in that passage, it says, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Moses did this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go back starting next week and start in Hebrews chapter 11 uh, and just work our way through that and look at a lot of those Old Testament people of faith. And, and what we have in Hebrews chapter 12, where we're going to start today, it'll be a little backward, right? Is we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 where the writer says, hey, because you've seen all these, because you have this great cloud of witnesses, is what he says. Because you've got all these people from the Old Testament who can testify to the goodness and the worthwhileness of a life of faith. You need to run the race of faith. This is what matters. And so I'll ask you this morning as we get ready to get started. Where can you point in your life the big decisions where you walked by faith? Where can you say, that was a point in my life I was not walking by sight, I walked by faith. And so I want you to think right now, in your life, do you tend to walk by sight? Like you know where it's comfortable, where things make sense, and where, where there's lots of security in your own realm, or do you walk by faith? See, there's an incredible thing that, that exists, and you find in this, that you cannot experience God's overwhelming, miraculous power and ability if you never give him the chance. If you never take the leap of faith 
If you never put your trust in him to do something that you cannot do, could not do, would not do on your own, you can never fully experience the power of God. And so there's this old, uh, old commercial from Kodak Cameras. Y'all remember Kodak Cameras? They'd say Kodak Moments. Uh, well, there's this, and I say old, it was like in the early 2000s. That feels like, if, what if I told you 1992 was 30 years ago? I don't know, that blows my mind. Like, wait, I feel like it was yesterday. And so there's Kodak commercial, and there's this, this dad and a daughter, and, and on this commercial, he takes her to a public pool, and he's going to get her to jump off the high dive. That's, what he, that's, that's his goal. It's, like, I'm gonna, it's her first time, she's going to jump off the high dive. So they get there, and, and, and you know, the, the, the commercial is he's grabbing a camera, and she's going to jump off the high dive, and he wants to capture it. And it's this little, you should see the camera. Uh, from the early 2000s. I even thought that looks like something from the 60s. It was just 20 years old. And so they get up there, and she gets to the edge, and what happens, you think? Anybody jumped off a high dive? Y'all are quiet. Y'all can talk back. Anybody ever jumped off a high dive? Yes, we got some yeses and nos. The first time you did it, did you go to the edge and just jump? I didn't. I scared out of my mind. I went to the edge, and I looked down. And when you get to the edge, and you look down, and you see the unknown. You see, I've never jumped that far. I've never hit water from this distance. I don't know. What if I get turned sideways and hit my back or do a belly flop? Is that what it's called, belly buster? What, what, what's going to happen? And you're just looking into the unknown. And you see... The thing is, this is a lot like what the writer of Hebrews, I'm just going to say is Paul, is asking us to do. He's asking us to come to the edge of the diving board in our life and look into things that's dark, that's unknown, that's uncertain, and be willing to take the leap. Because what happens when the little girl, he, the dad finally convinces her to jump in, and she hits the water, and she comes back, pops out of the water, and she says, I want to do it again. And I want to share you just personally in my life, every time I've gone to the end of the diving board with God and dove in head first, I came out of the water saying, let's do that again. Because what you experience is God providing and doing things that I could not do. That I'm reminded in that moment, in that leap, that God is real. And what you have is honestly just a church of people here who committed to this six, seven years ago said, we are never going to set a goal that we can accomplish. I mean, if you're in a church and you're serving God, why would you set a goal that meets the money you have in the bank? <laughs> like, that, you got to have goals that go and exceed what you have to really experience God provide. And so we've done that over and over, and I could share story after story uh, of how God provided when we did things like that. And maybe I will throughout this series. But this was a, a passage of Scripture we looked at six years ago that, that led us into this walk. That said, we want to be like Noah. We want to build an ark on dry land. Like We just want to do that. If God tells us to build an ark on dry land, we're going to build an ark on dry land. And so I'm going to invite you all, and you could be coming to this day, you could be saying, man, I just struggle with faith. I struggle at the main beginning. 
Like, I don't even know if Jesus is who he said he was. I'm just here to find out more about that and hear about that. We'll talk about that over the next couple months. You might be coming here and you might be saying, man, I used to have a lot of faith and now like, I've just been kind of doing it on my own and uh, you know, I, I, I have faith, I got saved, but I don't really live the faith life. I wouldn't say that. I really just kind of go to church. This next few weeks, you will be challenged. You will be inspired. You will be encouraged to trust in God like you've never trusted him. And when we trust in God like we have never trusted him, things happen that we can't even imagine. Things that go beyond, Ephesians 3.20 says, he's able to do more than we could ask or imagine. And that's what we want to trust God to do. We want to leap off the diving board. I want you to leap off the diving board for Jesus. So two things I said. One, there's a, sa- a faith that saves you. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Simple faith saves you, gives you heaven eternally. What happens after that? That's what we're going to look at. How do we live it out? Because uh, James said, faith without works is, are you all dead? <laughs> faith without works is, thank you. He said faith without works is dead. So faith gets lived out. You don't know real faith until you see it's lived out. And so that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. We're going to say, if, hey, if Noah came here, if, if Moses came here, if, if Jacob came here and he could testify and say, let me tell you, I finished the race. I had faith. And let me tell you what I learned about God in my walk with faith and how you can walk it out in your life. Those are the lessons we're going to learn. That's how we're going to apply it. And at the end, we're going to be seeing God do amazing things. The alternative is... Uh, to live your life. You either live faith life with Jesus or you live your life. And your life leads to a path of destruction. And so this series is all about serving Jesus and growing our faith. Let's think about it. Let's read the scripture. Starting in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Remember, he's just gone through chapter 11, and he's listed all these people from the Old Testament that had incredible faith. So since we got all those people, and we're surrounded by them, and we have this great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So he starts out by comparing it to a race. He says the life of faith is a race. So I want to share three things about the, this race with you this morning. Um, 
as we kick off this series. One, to run a race, you got to be in it. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say get in the race, but I want to tell you this first and foremost. Uh, some, of, some of you and some of us have, have spent our lives as spectators. Like, we could all be here in church. Some of us are running the faith life. Some of us are watching others run it. As, as, as Paul's writing here to Jewish people who have never maybe not got off the fence, they're kind of just sitting on the side, like, looking and wondering. It's like, them people believe Jesus is the Messiah. I don't know if I believe that or not. I don't know if I'm going to go or not. And Paul's saying, in order to run the race, in order to please God and have faith, you've got to get in it. You've got to get in the race. I'll say you got to show up. Um, the thing is, you can intellectually decide, oh, yeah, Jesus, that thing, yeah, I believe he was here, he did what he did, and not have it buried deep in your heart. Because let me tell you, when it gets buried deep in your heart, your life changes. Because you know how many times I decided I was going to jump off the diving board before I did it? <laughs> All right, you ever done that? You do something crazy, like you're at the edge of the diving board, the high dive, and like, I'm going to do it. No, not. Back off. And you climb down, and all you watch all your friends go, you say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump. And you climb back up. No, I'm not. <laughs> and, and so you can choose Jesus. But running the faith life is more than a decision, it's an action. It is taking tangible steps toward following Jesus. It comes out in the fruit in your life. It comes out in the way you love your neighbor, the way you love your enemy, the way, the way you treat your family. It comes out in all those ways. The faith life is not just a decision that Jesus is who he is. It is about a transformation from the inside that happens when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. There's a saying that says 80% of success is showing up. Y'all ever heard that? And sometimes what can happen in life is that, is that we can show up. Like you might be a dad and you might always be there at the house. And, 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 but you're distracted on your phone and you're distracted with other things and other priorities. And you're physically there but you've not shown up. As a dad, you are not leading spiritually your, your, your spouse. You're not leading your family. You're not pouring into your kids. You're just kind of there. Does that happen? Yeah, or at work, you, you can show up. You can be there and, and, and clock in at 8, clock out at 4.30, and, and the whole time in between, you're on Facebook or, or, uh, or you're taking long coffee breaks, or you're thinking about this, or you're thinking about that, or you really don't care about anything at work. You're just going through the motions. Let me tell you, the race of faith is not about going through the motions. It is having a heart. It is being present. It is being in the race. Because he says, he's going to remind us here in a minute, how do we stay and keep our endurance we look at Jesus' example. He's the prime example of obedience, of following through, and having passion for what he was doing and the people that he loved. The second thing we see uh, is you got to get in the race, so you got to show up. you got to be there. Uh, the second thing is 
you got to run the race. Like it, uh, the, we've seen the, the, the inspiration that comes from the people in Hebrews 11, but he says, now this running the race, you get in it, that's a good thing. You signed up, you got your number, you're at the front, you're, you know, you're at the line, they're getting ready to, to uh, this is a marathon, by the way, not like a 100-yard dash. All right, anybody ever ran a marathon, half marathon, 10K, 5K, 1K? God, we need to do a New Beginnings fitness program, I think. <laughs> Anybody ever ran when somebody was chasing you? Everybody ran from a bear, a rabid dog, something. You ever ran? You ever walked fast? Oh, my God. Okay, let's not. Anyway, so, so you, you've signed up. You got in the race. You're at the line. And, and he's saying there's some things you got to do to get that. You know, if you're an Olympic runner, usually the diet the week before the Olympics is like Big Macs and blizzards. Right, right. If you if you trying to you're gonna run as fast as you can. So this week I'm gonna eat as many Big Macs. I'm gonna eat as many blizzards as I can, so I can get ready for this. No, you got to be disciplined. He's like, listen, I'm as big as I'm a I'm as big a proponent of grace as you will find. You will not find someone else who believes more wholeheartedly that God saves us of his own power and ability. That we cannot earn it, we cannot work it out, that we can't be good enough. You know, we, we, got, we got Joey May working here at the church now as kind of an intern. He just graduated from UPIC, he's going to seminary, he's also in the Army Reserves. They went this weekend and, uh, and he had to do something called PT. I think, I think Ricky might be able to do stuff like that, like physical training tests or something. So they do these physical training tests every so often when they get together in the Army Reserves. And, uh, and they, they measure seven events that they got to do. It's like you got to stay in physical shape to be ready. If you're going to be in the Army Reserves, we're going to test you once a quarter. I don't know how often it is. And so they get together, and, and, and he was scoring people. He said, you got seven events. One of them's a run. One of them's like crazy stuff with dumbbells over your head and push-ups and all this crazy stuff. He says, you know what? If you fail one, you fail the, the exam. You can get six events. I mean, you can be the fastest runner. You can do a million push-ups. But if you can't get this deadlift to where it's like you're not ready. None of us are ready for heaven. I got to get back to this, to what I was saying. Like, I'm the biggest proponent of grace. Is that no matter how good you are, no matter how hard you've tried, you fail some event in your life. Some sin is present in your life. You can get upset about one sin over another sin. I don't care. I don't care. The reality is, if we don't all see each other as broken people that need Jesus Christ, then we've got it mixed up. But when we put our faith and we're saved by grace, he talks about discipline. He talks about holiness. He talks about the importance of putting sin out of our life. 
He talks about the importance of putting distractions away from us, things that aren't necessarily sinful, but they're just distractions. They're not edifying. They're not pushing us toward our ministry and our call and our purpose, and maybe they're just feeding our ego or feeding our feeding our appetite for fun or appetite like they're not necessarily bad but they're just there and they're like they just keep you're spending so much time there and God's called he's got got this thing for you over here and he's just watching you like what are you doing and so he says it's got to be discipline when you're getting ready for the race like you got to be you got to do two things you got to get the way the things that distract you out of the way the things that so easily distract you you got to put it off you got to put that that weight off it says lay aside every weight this is verse one strip off every weight that slows you down can I ask you what's slowing you down what's you've got to the end of the diving board and you can't jump what is it is it is it the the safety that you know your feet are on something solid? Uh, is it what's giving you that security? Is it a title at work? Is it a, a paycheck? Is it, is it a bank account? Is it, is it a family? Is it, is it, is it what, what are the things that are holding you back? And he says, and you got to get ready, especially the sin that, that trips you up so easy. And so you're going to know what the sin is in your life. He's saying the enemy has a specific strategy for you. You are weak in this area. Maybe it's money. Maybe money's the thing that you just, you, you, you want more of it, you got more of it, and it's still not enough, and you, you, you're tempted to make decisions in life and set priorities in your family about protecting and building wealth and money. Nothing wrong with having money until it takes superiority over God. And so you got to think, how do I prevent this? How do I work around this and find a way to know that this is something I struggle with? I'm going to do something to help me. God designed something around that called giving that helps us. Take the power away from money. I'm not saying give to new beginnings. You can if you want to. I'm just saying it will empower you as God blesses you to bless others. And it will remind you that that's not king. That's not security in my life. I'm going to give it away. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it's uh, an addiction or maybe you drink too much. And maybe, maybe the step is you don't, don't go to the beer section at Food City. Or you don't go to the bar or whatever it is in your life that tempts you. That's the, the weakness that you have. Maybe it's uh, improper relationships with people and you put big hedges up around uh, friends of the, the opposite sex or whatever that is, you, you do things in advance to say, I got a race to run, and I know the enemy wants to break my leg like Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding or whoever that was. And I know he wants to keep me out of the race because God has a plan. He's got one set before me that requires me to show up and requires me to be disciplined and live as much like him as I can. Not so I can be saved. You're already saved. So you can live out your purpose. So you can have more peace in your life. He wants you to live more and more like him. So that you can be a witness to your neighbor. So that they can see real change in your life. 
He says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. This word endurance, sometimes translated patience. This is not like passive patience. This is not like, I'm going to wait and see if God works this out. This is like a very active patience and endurance. This is like, I'm going to get up, and I got, God's got this. He's in victory. I'm fighting with him. I'm going to pray over this. He, we're going to conquer this, whatever this is up against me right now. I am in and trusting God with it all. He says he said it before us. If you've ever wondered, do I have a purpose in life? Absolutely you do. This verse, combined with Ephesians 2.10, that says we are God's masterpiece, creating Christ Jesus to do good things he prepared in advance for us to do, is the reason we founded Faith Life Ministries. Is the reasons we, we, we founded Faith Life uh, Market down here, the coffee shop on Division Street. Uh, because we believe that every single person... Uh, has uh, what, what happens is we become apathetic and we forget that, oh gosh, God has got good things prepared for me to do. And if we can inspire and equip people to live out their faith, the world will be different. The world will be different. And can we do that with a cup of coffee? I think we have. I think we have with the little notes that Chastity writes uh, with verses that everybody gets a bag and, and, and encouraging quotes and, and, and things I see on Facebook where this is the verse I needed today and it's on a coffee cup. And, and, and to see the community of believers at the college and the medical school that have kind of gathered in that place and found a home. Hey, I remember being in college. I'm, I was not going to church. I'll just stop there. I was not going to church. I grew up in church. I didn't go to church when I was in college. Much less did I feel comfortable or feel like there was a community of people, of Christians. I felt like the outcast. If you've been to college, you probably felt that way. My first professor was an atheist. I went, wait, what? People don't believe in God? Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't believe in God. Challenged me. Put me to my core. What have I believed my whole life? Is it real? Like, I questioned everything. And here we have this little place on Division Street As my wife Bethany says, we want it to be the living room of downtown, a place where anybody can walk in and be loved and feel at home and know that Jesus is right there. It says faith, life in the name, and Jesus is all over the place. That place as a story was supposed to be a thrift store. We have a thrift store over here on College Street, a little one called The Closet. I could tell you story after story, and maybe I'll just share a few every week of how God has worked. But with this little thrift store over on College Street that wasn't a thrift store, at one time our church met anywhere people would let us in. <laughs> we didn't have a building. We met at Jim Wally Theater, now it's the Appalachian Center for the Arts. We met at the Silver Sneakers Room at the YMCA. That was fun. And we moved all those pieces of equipment out of the way and put chairs out. And we met up there. We met at the Garfield House over here. Uh, we met at the boardroom at UPIC. We met in the choir room at UPIC. Our first meeting was up there. We've met everywhere. And as we were in that stage, as we rented this little spot over on College Street for our student ministry, it turned into a thrift store. We didn't plan that. God did it. Uh, and then it outgrew that space, and we decided we're going to move it over to Division Street, a place Bethany and I had walked in years before that. 
and thought, man, this would be a great place. And somebody was renting it. And I tell you, you get Bethany praying. If you need somebody to move out of a, a space or do anything, she's got, uh, you know, I hate it for those people, but, uh, you know, she prayed them right out of there. <laughs> and so they leave, and we, um, we decided, uh, well, let's, let's see. Let's talk to Clarissa, the lady who owns the building, about moving our thrift store over there. And so we, uh, we signed a lease. At least it was double what we were paying at the thrift store. Our elders prayed about it. Well, I said, this doesn't fit the budget. It doesn't make sense. But the more we went over and looked at it, and what, like when I had all eight of us, and we all being like, I think God wants us to do this. And I respect all these people. I'm feeling, like, all right, let's go. <laughs> like, I'm feeling, like, this is why there's more than just me, because I can get a wild hair. You stick around long enough, I'll get a wild hair. But when I got seven others saying, yeah, I think God wants us to do this. And so we say, okay, sign the lease, 2020, like middle of March, sign the lease. Y'all remember 2020, middle of March, sign the lease. Literally the next week, we weren't allowed out of our houses. I was like, wait <laughs> what did we just do so we signed that lease and then like we were at home you know I was working and work, wasn't working full-time for the church then I was had another job and I ended up having to work from home for that entire time and um, and we had, we'd already told our landlord where our other thrift store was that we were moving told him we'd be out in a couple weeks and then all that happened so all our stuff was still there and we just signed a new lease. So now not only did we double our lease, like it was triple because we were having to pay both. And so we just told them, we told Clarissa, like, hey, we will do whatever. She said, I'll give you until this comes out to start paying on this space. The other guy said, just pay half until you can get it out. We thought our lease just tripled and it went to half. This is like, that's how, where God started to work. At one point, Bethany and I had dreamed of having a faith-based coffee shop in town. I'd talked to Ryan Jones that used to run Lincoln Road. And before they put, if y'all remember the coffee shop that was at Blue Raven, before they put it in there, we talked about doing one. And it just didn't work out in the timing. Middle of COVID, both coffee shops downtown closed. And um, it was maybe by August, God just put it on mine and Bethany's heart and our leadership here is like you just got to open that place down there that place on Division Street just get it open and there was times we were uh, we were praying about it and, and this is all a non-profit venture okay this is the church this is nobody's in this to make money we're in it to make a difference and so we're, we're praying about it and, and so I did something and if you're ever in projects you're trying to get things done and it's not getting done all you really have to do is put a date on the calendar and tell people about it leadership lesson on the side we're going to open this date I said it I told people <laughs> and then we had to do it and so so we got to got started doing it and that takes money it takes you got to have like you know, you get in, and uh, you need 220 power for the espresso machine up front. There's no 220 power there. You need water up front. you got to get a plumber. You need a sign out front. You don't have counters. You don't have, like, it's like 1,000, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, 15. 
And I told Beth, I said, I can't do this. We need $16,000 like by the end of the week that we don't have to get this done. And I was preaching at that time through the scripture that says, if you ask, you will receive it. And so we, I was talking to, to Beth at breakfast about that, and I said, hey, I said, I think I'm learning in the scripture that if, if you ask, when your heart gets right about what he wants, and you're asking for what he's already put in your heart to do, there's nothing. And I mean absolutely nothing that can stop it. And I prayed a prayer that morning at breakfast. I've never prayed again because I'm scared to. But at that moment, I had the most faith I've ever had. And I looked at Bethany and I said, let's pray. And I said, do it to God. I said, do it. I cannot figure this out. And I figured a lot of projects out. Million dollar projects. I can't figure out 16,000. I said, do it. And that same week, Jeff, treasurer here at the church, calls me and said, hey, we got two checks in the mail. One was a rent check from this building. The landlord sent it back to us. One was a multi-thousand dollar check from a person that it wasn't a title. It was just a random donation. $16,000. And we said... Well, we know what that goes to. God wants a coffee shop on Division Street. And we opened the place. Employees' lives have been changed. Customers' lives have been changed. Our lives have been changed. That's one. I could share the story. We got Megan here, Megan Williams. Y'all know Megan Williams? She's a barista down there. It's her birthday today. Give her a big happy birthday. The last thing he says in verse 3, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Like when you grow weary from people who are against you, I said, think of what Jesus endured. You think of him, you won't grow weary. You won't give up. So he says, get in the race. You got to run it. You got to be disciplined. Like you don't, you don't just show up. You got to get up and not wait for things to happen. <laughs> we met with a guy in Wattsburg this week uh, about Michael Clark, his church up there, kind of talking about space and dreaming. We were up there and we were meeting with a guy. He said, you know, good things come to those who wait. Better things come to people who get off their tails and go fight for it. Paul calling us to fight for it. There's some things worth fighting for in your life, your neighbors, your community, your family. He says, don't just get in the race. Don't just run it. He says, finish it. The encouraging thing is, he says, Jesus is the author and the finisher. And we can put our trust in him to get us there. He says, don't give up. Show up and get up. Just keep going. Even days you don't feel like it. I didn't feel like it this morning. Can I be honest with you? I didn't feel like getting up. I didn't feel like being here. And he said, don't give up. Rest. 
Amen. Let's pray. God, as we uh, continue into this series, we just thank you for the times we look back over our lives and the people that can testify to your goodness and the strength that you can find when we put our faith in you. Thankful for the times in our life and our church's life. God, that you just showed up in ways that was undeniable that you were present. I'm thankful that you used those things because you got good things prepared in advance for us to do. That you have a race set before me and before every single person in this room. A race that is not about us but about you. A race that's best lived out, disciplined, and and most of all, God, we find in Hebrews 13 that the, the race of faith is really about serving. You see, Jesus, your son, he, he, I know, the night before he died, he was not uh, at Disney World. He was not celebrating. He was washing the feet of people who were going to abandon him, who denied him, and were going to betray him. God, we did not serve last Sunday. Don't let us get too confused to think we served last Sunday just for the benefit of the people up there. God, we served last Sunday to save ourselves, to remind ourselves that you served us when we didn't deserve it, that we don't care if people appreciate it, we don't care if people know about it. God, it was not about that. It was about our hearts being right before you so we can run our race. God, give us the strength like you can only do to show up, get up, and never give up. In Jesus' name. Amen.